I got it. When I first heard about Dave being trapped in a maze. One, two, three, four. I built a labyrinth. Can you believe this? Dave is trapped in a cardboard maze in his living room and he can't get out. Welcome to Dave Made a Minute, the podcast where a whole bunch of us are exploring the film Dave Made a Maze one minute at a time. The twist. Many of their participants have never seen the film. Some don't even know what film they're sampling. They get their minutes and they tackle them as they see fit. Here's your host from the Groundhog Day Project and Michael Myers Minute, Robert Black. Minute 80. The credits are still rolling. To tackle Minute 80, we have Alan Sanders of The Wilder Ride interviewing me about this project. You come home, there's a giant maze in your living room. You're like, what the? There's a giant maze in my living room. I've heard of people rearranging the furniture, but this is wackadoodle crazy. This doesn't make any sense. Did I promise? Did I promise to myself? Let's do It's like a fucking cocktail party in here. If I get a few words from you before you go. Before we get into it, the clip that inspired it. An outtake from Minute 76. Okay, that's where I need to put my skills in. I almost feel like I need a separate episode of just me now interviewing you. <laughs> We could do that. I, I think that would be really cool. Like, what? How did you get this initial idea? What was your goal? What did you hope would happen? Did did you did it exceed your expectations? Where did it fail? Where did it work? If you did it again, what would you want to see differently? What would you do differently? I think there's a lot we could chat about. That could be good. Yeah. If you want to do it, I'll do it. Put it in one of the credit episodes. Why don't we do that? Why don't we have a as a bonus when we when you get it all wrapped up in your mind when you know you've got the last episode. Why don't you and I do that? If you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll interview you. Okay. Well, actually. I think it'd be fun. I would prefer to put it in one of the episodes because I have an inclination that when minute 81 goes up, I'm done. <laughs> I'm, screw it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> but just that it would be a self-contained thing with beginning and an end. Okay. Well, you know what? Unless they eventually made the sequel. But, you know. All right. Obviously, we're wrapping this up and we're dragging it up more than That's <laughs> you probably wanted to. I, I mean, who am I? Sean German? Come on. <laughs> but let's, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, you and I will chat offline over the next couple of days. Let's see if yeah. we can figure out a time for me to interview you, even if it's only like a 10 or 15 minute, just so we can have something like you being on the spotlight and me asking you about this project. Okay. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Dave Made a Maze. And this is a little different because I've been on before with my buddy Walt with The Wilder Ride. And then I was on in a bonus sort of extended episode with Dave Palace and Robert E.G. Black. But this time I said, you know what? I love interviewing people. And this project has been such an amazing thing to watch evolve from its inception through to carrying it out all the way to now at the end. So I threw this idea out there and said, why don't I interview the guy who came up with this entire podcast, Mr. Robert Black himself. Robert, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to my own show. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? No, I like it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with being invited into your own house, right? <laughs> yeah, cause, cause I think we've both been on the flip side of not being invited into our own house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So let's start this off. Uh, when you came up with this idea, before you even put it out on the Minute Makers and Listeners Movies by Minute Master Group, what made you think that this might be, first of all, a movie you'd want to use that Movies by Minutes format on? Well, doing it, the original idea was doing it myself, and it came down to the way I was, I had already started Michael Myers Minute, and I don't know if you listen to that, but or if any of the listeners do, but that show is very obsessive. Like, I have the copy of the novelization, the copy of the original script, I have production notes, I went and visited all of the filming locations, and I break it down, like, to the exact second of when things happen, when music cuts in. Uh, Minute 72 was literally every second of the 60, one at a time, and what was going on. And when I, I already had a lot of the notes written ahead of time, and then I'm like, if I'm gonna do a second one of these, I need to pick a movie where I can just, like, sit down and just, like, riff, you know? Less preparation, less work. And I'm like, what movie of that would work for me? It would, and the impulse was Groundhog Day, but that was already done. That's how I discovered movies by minutes is Groundhog Minute invited me to join them because I did a blog on Groundhog Day. And I've seen that movie many, many times. I could literally do Groundhog by the minute without prep and do the entire show that way because I know that movie backwards and forwards and inside out. And so I needed something else. I needed a movie that I loved and a movie that it's more about what the way it makes me feel than what's the details on the screen. Even though the details of this movie are cool. What I appreciate it more about it is like what it's about. Like the friends having to come together to rescue Dave and everything. What I find interesting in just listening to that answer there, you take some of that OCD-ness that you bring to your Michael Myers minute into several of these minutes that you chose to do solo. Yes. Yeah. And because they were only occasional minutes, I went ahead and did that because it's like, in that moment, I'm not Robert Black, the host of Dave Made a Minute. I'm Robert Black guesting on my own show from Michael Myers minute. And so it's more, here's how I break this down. Here's what's happening. Here's what I, how I interpret it. I never actually got a copy of the script for this movie because I just forgot to ask for it. Like, I've been in contact with the director and the producer. I've met the director in person a couple times. Never occurred to me until way too late to ask for the script because he probably would have given me, like, a PDF of it or something. So, moving ahead, you decided, all right, it's an easier movie. I'm not going to go into quite the detail. When did the idea come up of saying, what if I open this up to people in the Movies by Minutes community, getting random minutes and then putting it all together in chronological order with no one really having an idea of the movie they've seen? I think it came from a couple places. One, another th problem coming out of Michael Myers' minute and then thinking about doing another show is I wanted a co-host. Like, But I didn't know enough of the Movies by Minutes people well enough yet to like ask for a co-host. I didn't necessarily want to do a show with someone I barely knew. Although, apparently, that has worked pretty well for some shows. People have met because they become co-hosts and then get to be good friends. And so I was, like, thinking of posting a thing, I want to do this show. Would anyone want to do it with me? And I think the timing was that coincided with me sending a message to Bill Watterson, the director, on Facebook to see if he remembered when I blogged about the movie. Because on Twitter, they had noticed their official Twitter account, which he runs, had noticed when I blogged about the movie seven days in a row and had commented on it. 
And so like just on a whim, I'm like, I don't know if you remember this. Here's the links to the blog entries. I'm thinking of doing a podcast about this movie. Would you, might you be available for an interview? And he got back to me within like a few hours. And then it's like late at night. I'm on Facebook and I'm like, okay, that's daunting. I have the director on my side and he's <laughs> already suggesting he can get other people involved and get like other crew members to talk to me. Well, I'm sure he was coming at it from a marketing perspective. I mean, why not? Oh yeah. That's part of it. Yeah. That movie is still going to festivals. It's just, it's just coming out on like DVD in the UK like next week, I think. And it was just, it just came out in Japan and it was a big deal. So they're still promoting it. Yeah. But on my end, I'm like, suddenly it became a bigger thing than the casual thing I wanted it to be. Well, that, that initially is your, your, your opening about how you were looking for maybe a co-host. Yeah. How did that evolve then into, let's just open it up to everybody to pick some or to be assigned random minutes? Honestly, I don't remember the exact transition. I, it was late. Um, Maybe I had some wine. I don't know. <laughs> and in that moment, I'm like, maybe I was thinking about the movie and I'm like imagining someone watching this movie for the first time. I'm like, what if they just saw the puppet scene? That would be so cool. And I'm like, wait, what if they just saw the vagina scene? What if they just saw like this and that? And then I'm like, that could work. And in retrospect, I think it was also me rather than seeking a single co-host trying to get to know lots of you. Like this is suddenly whether you like me or not, a bunch of movies by minutes, people know who I am partly because of this format. And it was like, this is a movie that where that works and works better now, I could say than I probably expected it to because single minutes of this movie, people figure out the characters, people figure out motivations, people figure out plot. But in that moment, I'm just like, it would be crazy if I gave someone this minute, this minute with puppets. Mm -hmm. And immediately, I mean, it's late at night and I'm one of the few minute, movies by minutes people on the West Coast. Immediately, a couple people responded when I posted about it. Like, they'd be in it and I'm like, I have filmmakers with me, so this show's happening. Who would want to do it? And people responded and then more people responded and I'm like, okay, how many minutes do you want to do? And people like the idea and i think it's about that time someone mentioned like die hard minute so i went back and looked at what they had done there where like different teams took over for multiple episodes in a row and i'm like i didn't want to do that i wanted i mostly randomized the minutes i actually rolled dice certain minutes went to certain people and i noted that in my original list and then i had a few groups where i wanted someone to do the entire interview to make sense of it. I wanted someone to do the entire kitchen counter scene. And initially I wanted the three minutes with the rhyming to go together. But then the person who I gave that to backed out. So I ended up taking those. Which was fine because then I, I know the movie. I can tell what the rhyming means. I can get into depth about it. But then it's like I'm playing with instead of one co-host, I had all the co-hosts for a little while. All right. This is going to lead me to three or four somewhat related questions, but each one is a different branch. Okay. The first thing, assigning or getting or working with all these individual people, every one of these podcast teams or podcasters, because you had some some come in solo, has their own unique way of approaching a movie by minute. Yeah. Did some of them mesh better in your head with what you were looking for than others? 
I don't know if I want to answer that because <laughs> you're one of them. Um, no, I think as an example, I, I couldn't go through all of them offhand, but I know, for example, you, you and Walt were great because knowing that you didn't know what was going on, you sat down and were like, here is everything we see and interpret outward. And then you had, and they're entertaining, but they're not necessarily explaining, um, Niall and John and, uh, Alex. They kind of immediately get onto tangents. And tangents are great. That's, in, it's inevitable in this format. But there's less focus on the detail of everything that's on the screen, and that's okay. Because I didn't want focus, like obsessive focus. Otherwise I would have just done it myself. And then there's some in-between ones where, like, uh, Johnny and Mark were talking, were like getting into like psychology of Dave. And Gary and Cassandra did the same thing, where they're talking, they're getting into the characters and they're like, less concerned with plot because in a minute you don't have much plot. And they're more like, who is this guy and why did he build this thing? Why is his girlfriend with him when she should have run right out of the house, you know, when she saw this maze? And what's wrong with him? How can he fix it and all that stuff? And so a lot of it, yeah, meshed really well. And even when it didn't necessarily go as well, that actually almost made it more interesting to me because people have committed to doing this episode. They don't necessarily like the movie as much. There's a few of the participants that didn't immediately seem like they wanted to watch the rest of the movie. And that's fine. Not every movie is for every person. But then that perspective is also interesting because then you get to see it's something I wouldn't have done if I was watching this. I wouldn't talk necessarily about the negative stuff. I talk about goofs a lot, but I don't necessarily talk about what's wrong with the movie. And there's plenty wrong with this movie. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I, there's plenty wrong with most movies. Yeah. We just decide if it's dismissible enough to enjoy the good parts we do like. Well, in order to talk about it one minute at a time, there's this step you have to take where you have embraced this film for what it is. And so certain of its flaws are part of what it is. They're fine. They make it better. Yeah, sometimes this is the argument about pro pro sports versus amateur athletics that sometimes people say, I don't like watching pro sports because it's a paycheck for them. Mm. But at the amateur level, they're doing it for heart. <laughs> and sometimes I feel amateur films or independent films or certainly not the big blockbusters, you tend to have more heart, which makes up for some of maybe the lesser production value or areas that you just had to gloss over because you just didn't have the big Hollywood studio. Yeah. Now, another question I have for you, kind of related to the assigning of minutes, you did take several of these minutes across, but you had a different style with some of them. Four or five, you've got very, very personal and introspective about some of the things in your own life. Was there a purpose behind that, or did you just did that just come out unexpectedly? Both. Like, minute, was it nine, I think it is, my first one, where it was just me. I didn't have an interview. It's just me talking about the movie. I suffer from depression. Like, I've been diagnosed with that. And I've gotten pretty good at dealing with it as an adult, like, as I get older. But in that moment, I'm thinking about this movie, and that's what I see in Dave's Maze. Like, it's this guy who's shut down from the world because his creative outlets aren't working for him. And I'm like, that's like that too close to home kind of thing. It's why I love this movie. 
is because I can relate. And so I start talking about it. I'm like, I have to just come right out and say it because someone does. And people watching one minute at a time, they might mention it, but they aren't going to talk about it. And it's the kind of thing that you need to talk about. People need to understand that this is something you can deal with. This is something, whether you go to therapy or medication or whatever, there are ways to deal with this kind of thing. And the movie can be taken as a metaphor for that. Part of Dave's way of dealing with his problem of shutting down is he needs his friends to help him out of it. And that's cool. And so in that moment, in minute nine at least, I think it came more of like, I just want to say this, put it out there, and if it comes across weird, I won't do it again. But then it came up again when I had a friend of mine come in and do an episode because he is a communication major who has some issues going on in his life and he wanted to say talk about similar things. So part of it was planning after that. I would bring it up again, but it wasn't necessarily the point. So both. So I found some of it actually quite personal, very introspective, and I was wondering if you found any benefit afterwards sharing, or did you have that moment where you said, you know, I should probably delete this? Again, both. <laughs> I have a tendency, and this has gone back to since <laughs> I've been a regular on the internet, like for 20 years now. I broke up with a girlfriend in 2000, I think. This is like early everyone's on the internet days. And... I sent out an email to a bunch of my friends just explaining, yeah, I'm going to be in a horrible mood for a while because this happened. And I went into like unnecessary detail. I have a, I have an impulse to share. And so I have to actively try not to a lot of the time because some things people don't need to know. And so it's like, I put it out there and then it's like, what response do I get? Silence is okay. Uh, certain people saying like they liked it and found it not helpful. I forget the word that someone used, enlightening, I think, or something like that. It's nice. And so once it's out there, I'm not going to delete it because it's part of the show, but maybe I would do something completely different the next time if I thought it didn't work well. In some ways, you know, speaking of, you know, speaking out your problems, discussing especially anything that might be really hanging on you, being open in that communication. Did you find that even though you monologued those moments, that getting some of that feedback made it feel like it was almost a a self-cathartic session for you? Yes, but then still, it's not a problem that just goes away. Just like, you know, metaphorically, the Minotaur's still alive at the end of the movie. No matter how much how better Dave is doing, there's still a thing there. So yeah, it's catharsis in the moment. And just podcasting for me generally is cathartic because I get to talk about something I love for a while. And absolutely nothing wrong with that. When I do it like in the corner of my living room by myself, most of the time, even when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you through the computer. No one else is in this room right now. It's just me in the living room. It's raining outside. I think there's a cat wandering around, but Oh, see, you're destroying the illusion. Who knows? People might think we're sitting in the same room right now. Yes, I am in a professional studio with Alan right now. I the lights are low. The to be with him. <laughs> We've got a production engineer in the other room who's going to do all the work after we're done. We don't have to do anything after. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> uh, 
some of the episodes that you and I'm focusing on you right now because this is yeah. your project seemed more scripted and then some seemed more off the cuff. Once again, planned. Well, they're all scripted. Really? Everything you did yes. is written in ahead of time. Yes. That's a lot of work. Yeah. So this is the first time since you maybe interviewed your guests that you're on a, one of your own minute episodes that you don't have a script to look at. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, 75 and 76, 77, those I only, I had some notes, but I mostly ignored them because we were talking about other things. But yeah, usually when I do like Michael Myers minute is written out word for word. So which do you prefer? I would love to be able to go off script, which is like going back to originally come up and up with doing this movie because doing something that doesn't take as much prep, but inherently I don't do that. If I'm going to do it, I need notes. I need lines. I know what I'm going to say. I know how I'm going to say it. I've written, my blog has 1,365 entries. I know my voice. I did competitive speech and debate in college. I know what I sound like. I know how I phrase things. And when I write it out ahead of time, it makes it easier to do when I'm recording because otherwise I will take pauses that I just have to edit later when I'm going to say the same thing anyway. Hmm. And so, yeah, all of those things are scripted. And in like, for example, that minute nine where I had music cutting in as I'm talking about depression in my script, it says music fades in here to the next paragraph. Like I'm planning that stuff ahead of time. When I re interviewed myself as a sort of joke thing. I scripted that entire thing part for part, but then recorded the two sections, not only separate times, but in separate locations. So the sound quality would be different, but I knew how it would cut together and I did it accordingly. I'm glad you brought that one up because that was my last in this sort of line of similar questions. There was that one episode where you very cleverly interviewed yourself. And that's the one where I feel like, well, that makes sense. You got to write some of that stuff out, but Ironically, it's one of the few that I knew you had written that didn't sound like it was written. <laughs> and I don't know why that is. I will say thank you to that. It's because I was having a really good time. Like I, when I recorded the interview subject side of it, I was sitting in my classroom after class. It's empty. I'm by myself. And I'm like, how would I really say this answer? Like I might cut in before the question's over. I might laugh first. And I'm like, I was, basically it was like this acting exercise, except I'm playing myself. And so I think it was partly that is like, I was free to do whatever, even though I had a script for it, because there's no director. It's just the actor on the loose or on the actor and the director. <laughs> and so I think it was partly that is I was really comfortable. It came across that way. I, I really enjoyed that one, <laughs> which might say something about my ego. I don't know. <laughs> But like I said, I really enjoyed that one simply because it was clever, but it sounded I, – I was actually amazed. I was wondering if you had done it two separate recordings yeah. or if you managed to do that old radio trick where you pretend to interview yourself with two, two different microphones. And I was like, that was impressive. Yeah, it was, I, I recorded the interviewer here at my usual location in my living room, and I recorded the interviewee part in my classroom after class to get different sound quality, recording it just on my phone. Sticking with interviews then, you did open this Movies by Minute of Dave Made a Maze with several interviews of some of the key players, including writer, director. Obviously, you would have liked to have interviewed everybody you possibly could, but was there a person that you enjoyed the most? Not to say that you didn't enjoy all of them, but was there one particular interview where you just just wanted to keep it going? 
Huh. Uh, well, like the director, I think went great and it went long, like even cut short. It's like an hour long. He loves to talk. The producer, John Charles Meyer, had great stories and a great way of telling them. Actually, a recent one it was just up a few minutes ago. Uh, Frank Caetti, who plays Boom Operator, is hilarious. And he can't help it. Like, he wants to make jokes. He wants to be funny. He wants to tell stories. And I would love to have gotten more stories from him. And I met, when I didn't interview, I met Michael Murnane, who did a lot of the design, like sculpting work in person and talk to him, but we never got to schedule an interview. It would have been cool to get some stories about like, the design work and stuff like that and designs they didn't go with, things like that. Maybe because it came so early, I, my answer would have to be the director because it was an episode where I didn't have to talk much. I ask a question and he, he I think one of his answers is over 10 minutes long. And I'm like, that's easy to edit. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Make my job easier. You know, I will tell you as a listener of the podcast, not just a participant, I loved all the interviews. And I think I would agree in terms of the interest. I enjoyed the director simply because I do directing and I like to hear from that mindset. And I didn't mind that it went, to, I don't think it went too long. I, I really enjoyed hearing his perspective, his stories, his telling of the, the creation all the way through to the delivery. And I just recently finished the Boom Operator one, and I agree that was a very entertaining one as well. Yeah. Um, I, I wish you could have gotten more of the cast because I love the idea of hearing from the people who are responsible for the movie that we all just got done scrutinizing. Yeah, I, I won't say who in the recording, but a couple of them I did have contact with where we were trying to schedule and then had scheduling conflicts. And a couple of them were like, they would have been great, and now it's too late. There's no time to get them in. I mean, if I did get them later, I could do like a bonus interview episode. But I think you were in the minute where I said I kind of want to just have Minute 81 go up and then not do any more. Listeners, you haven't actually heard that clip because it was cut from 76 to be included in 81. So you will hear it next episode. Like no bonuses after and stuff like that. Have it be a concrete start to finish. It's over thing. So hmm. time has run out. All right. Let's go to the overall project now in and of itself. Did you learn anything by having to edit all of the different segments from all these different perspectives of all these different people trying to piece together these unrelated minutes they'd been given? I learned something that I hoped I'd learn, first of all, is that all of these different voices saying, I mean, they're all supporting the same cause and that I love that. That's what I wanted out of this project is like to get all of these people to do the same thing. And like, they're all trying to discover something together. All of these podcasters, some of which I barely know all came together to do crazy thing that I came up with. And that's great. And, but as far as editing them early ones, I didn't do much editing. I had my intros and then I'd record a little insert of introducing who's going to be on the episode and my outro the same way. Most of it was pre-made and then I just insert the segment where I said, who was that? Who's next time? And early ones, I didn't even listen to them. Like I would listen to enough of the recording someone sent me. Like you were in minute four. You were the, yeah, you were the first, mm -hmm. you and Walt. And I didn't listen to your whole recording at first. I listened to enough of it to get an interesting line to use as a title which was a few minutes in. 
and then I inserted it into my pre-made framework I had in an Audacity project, and it went into the feed. I didn't listen to it till it came out. So, and I did that for a while. All right. So, and, and maybe you're going to continue this answer. Did you learn that you needed to be a little bit more active, or did you like sort of that self-discovery that you were a listener yourself? It was mostly the that I liked the self-discovery. I liked hearing it when everyone else was hearing, but also a couple of the episodes, I, there was a big Instagram element to this show where I shared behind-the-scenes photos. I shared a couple times I shared photos of completely non-related things that people happen to mention. Like when they were talking about puppets and they talked about the Thunderbirds and stuff like that. And I wish I had done more than that, but by the time the show's up, it seems too late to add a bunch of Instagram photos or go find them. Cause usually I would listen to it in the morning on the way to class. And on those days, I wasn't, this was fall semester. I wasn't getting home till late in the afternoon. I'm not going to add a bunch of Instagram photos in the afternoon cause I'm working on something for later, like a later episode of this show or Michael Myers minute. But there was a point in the 30s where it was like I had to fill in and I ended up doing multiple episodes in a row that I didn't expect. And it coincided, and this is the first time I'm actually saying this on a recording, it coincided with their plan on what they were going to do to solve this maze and get out. And they're with Dave and Dave is now part of the plot. I'm now part of the plot. And so sort of creating a continuity for the overall show, I got more involved with the show. And so that's when I started putting all of the little like sound bites in the background or interrupting when someone would mention a joke. You you quoted, obviously, because it's quoted in the film, you quote Raging Bull, I put in Robert De Niro saying the line. Uh, one of them actually didn't work. You mentioned James Bond, and I think the music is actually – I pulled the gain down so far you can't hear it. <laughs> Not unless you got headphones. It was very faint, but right. I, I, yeah. actually that didn't bother me as much because it was almost like an echo of what we're talking about happening way yeah. in the distance. Which worked accidentally because then as the episodes went on, those things got more interruptive, more loud until just a few episodes ago. It was getting more and more loud, and I was adding things at the ends of the episodes that tied into like songs people mentioned or movies people mentioned until it came to 72, which was my last Just Me episode that I knew was just me. And so I brought in clips from previous episodes that I remembered. I went back and found them, put, cut them out, put them all together. I found songs. I found noises. And listeners by now should have listened to that because this is going in minute 80, if you listen to it, it's the same thing that's happening in that minute of the movie. The maze is collapsing, so you have chaos and then silence. And so after that, I haven't really inserted things. I inserted a song in the Frank Coyote thing because I thought it was funny. And I don't think I inserted anything into 74. And I insert one thing into a clip from 79, but you'll see why. <laughs> When you think about what we're just now talking about, the little bit more of the producing each minute rather than just slapping it into a, a, a shell and saying, okay, I've got my open, my clothes, and that little bit where I say, who's coming next? Mm -hmm. If you could go back, if you were to do this project from scratch all over again, you know, you do the Superman thing, turn the earth backwards and start all over, would you want to do more production with each episode starting earlier than you did? 
Yes, but I think that would be a bad idea. I think it works better the way it is because it coincides with the movie well. And so Dave's not there at the beginning. I'm not there at the beginning. And once Dave's there, it gets noisier. Once everything calms down and you get a few minutes with hardly any dialogue, I'm not interrupting people. So in retrospect, if I did go backward, I'd probably overproduce it and maybe it'd be good because I wouldn't think of the other version of reality where I didn't, but I think it's better this way. What was your overall goal? I know I kind of asked that at the beginning, but I'm curious now after our discussion, what was the goal of finding a movie that nobody knew and having them all get random minutes? What was you as the grand designer of this experiment? What was your goal? Do you mean consciously? Well, if you know consciously, yes, that'd be good. <laughs> but if, if something happened unconsciously or if you think it was well, something consciously, bubbly, I think I answered it already. Consciously, I think I answered it already where it was like an experiment of like, what would it be like if someone saw part of this movie and didn't know it? And it's a little movie that when I saw it the first time, I loved it and no one saw it. And so it's like, I'm out there promoting this movie like I worked on it, you know? Unconsciously, like in retrospect, I think it was about me actively embracing movies by minutes community and hoping they'd embrace me back. Do you feel that happened? Which goes back to my personal confession stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you feel that happened? Yes. Yeah. Partly because of this and partly because like when there's Google Hangouts, I go. And when people have things to talk about, I guessed on a lot of shows if people need people. One of the things I say often on my radio show, because social media can be a problem. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of psychological discussion about it's actually social anti, it's anti-social media. But I'm often a fan of technology. And even I know that you've got to still have human interaction. So I always say social media or anything to do with the internet is like a hammer. It's a tool. You can build a house with it or you can bludgeon someone with it. It's not good or bad. It's just a tool and how you use it. So with that said, what are your thoughts about being able to make connections with people that have these kinds of similar interests, even if you've never physically met them? As I told my students recently, because I have a winter class that just started a week and a half ago, most of my best friends are people I've never met in person. Like, they're people I know online, people I've met just last year doing this. Because inevitably, when you talk in depth, even if it's just about a movie, you get an idea of how people think, and you get a, a great idea of who people are. Even when you disagree with each other about fundamental things, there are people in the Movies by Minutes community, they post stuff on Facebook, for example, that I'm like, I can't believe they believe that or they support that. And there's been a few arguments, but not that many, because mostly that's not why we know each other. We know each other because we all like this particular medium. We like the way that talking together about this stuff has created a community and can create a community, which goes back to the theme of this film as well and why I think it, in looking backward, I don't know how much of this was conscious, is why this movie fits what I did with it. Because you're grabbing all these people and getting them to work together to do something cool. I'm glad you said that. I really am because I've gotten in several discussions with 
people that I know from Europe, people from all different areas of the country. And I find it fascinating that we love to argue over the 10 or 15 or maybe at most 20% of the differences and we never spend time enjoying the commonality. Yeah. You know, I've run into people who go, Oh, Jaws, you, that was one of your favorite movies still. You remember that as a kid? You saw it. It had an impact. It did to me too. And I'm like, but you live in, you know, Europe. How, I, I, it's for me, it's so amazing to wrap my mind around that there were shared common experiences and that does kind of link us and it all keeps us together. And even though we might have minor differences in other areas, we tend to put so much energy in those differences and arguing. And I loved how this project helped demonstrate that you can use the shared love in a common interest to pull so many different people together. Yeah. I don't know if that was a question. I think that was more of a statement. <laughs> no, I, I, that, was, that was fine. Uh, toward the end here, are you going to do something like this again? where you sort of bring up a, a film and let a random group of people try to take blocks of that of that film, whether consecutively or randomly. I want to, but I think it will be harder to do it again. Because there were already people that, before they even recorded, I just recorded 77 yesterday with Sean German, and he's like, I couldn't help it. I had to watch the movie. And so he watched the movie before he recorded anything. And there's people who recorded, like went out and sought out the title and sought out information about the actors. And it would be really hard to find a movie that would work again because now they're on to me. And some people, I think you and Walt would probably take it seriously and not go look up the movie if you haven't seen it already. But some of them, they would like, they'd make more of an effort. So it'll be harder to find a movie. Plus, as I said in 77 with Sean, I would want it to make sense for the format. This movie makes sense for the format. It's about a group coming together to solve something. And so thematically, I would want it to connect. I don't want to just pick a movie because I enjoy it and then do a show about it. I want to pick a movie, enjoy it, and have a point. We started about 35 minutes ago talking about your initial thoughts about looking maybe for a host. You realized it's a little bit easier if you've got somebody to bounce off of and then it turned into, well, what if I open it up to everybody? Since you just got done saying, chances are this sort of experiment can't necessarily be duplicated or at least not right away. Are you thinking about looking for a host? And if you are, have have you reached out to people? For another one of these? Yeah, for any other movie. Oh, yes. I actually have another Movies by Minute show that should be, I hope we record our pilot soon. I was waiting till Dave was done. And I have a co-host lined up. I have a non-movie show that's going to be a, just a handful of episodes on the show Wonderfalls that ha I have a co-host lined up. Because at this point, it's months later, I know people in this community. I know who, what people are like. I know what they're interested in. And I had certain people. It was literally the first person I asked for both of them, I believe, as to be co-hosts. We're like, sure, that'd be cool. So what's going to be the next movie you plan to do? Uh, The Room. Oh, the uh, really bad movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And as I just said, I'm doing it because I have something to say with it. Now, there's a point. 
and I have not seen the 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 original film, but is is the room the original or is it the one where about the making of the room? No, the the, the original. The original. Although I okay. did read the, I did read the book, The Disaster Artist, to prepare, and I'm going to watch The Disaster Artist again in the next week or two. Okay, right before we start. Excellent. Well, I I wanted to do this. I, I this is what I do kind of for a living. Besides news talk, I actually do a lot of interview. I love talking mm-hmm. to people, meeting people, letting them tell their story, learning a little bit about their career, their job, their background, their nonprofit that they're supporting, or whatever. And I thought this would be really cool to interview you because this was a unique experiment. In general, would you consider it a success? Yes. Overall, I think it was better than I hoped. Well, that's fantastic. I think that's awesome. Well, I appreciate you indulging me and letting me do something that I love to do because I wanted to yeah. know a whole lot more and kind of get a feeling on the on the back half of this as we are winding everything down. And it's been a pleasure to meet you personally. I know when we were doing Young Frankenstein – and we just sort of randomly put out there, if there's anybody in the area that might be able to take pictures, next thing you know, you're taking pictures of the old theater that had been used for the putting on the Ritz scene. And I'm like, all right, I'm keeping up with this guy. That's really cool. <laughs> well, one of the things I obsess about is locations. And I live in L.A., so a lot of locations are here. It does help. So, <laughs> yeah. I guess that's kind of everything. I just I really wanted to to pick your brain and find out. You know, what made you want to do this? Did it go the way you wanted? Did, what, were you happy with it, which you said you were? And if you would do it again, which you already answered that. I guess I'm still amazed to me, the people that did avoid going to see the movie ahead of time. And I'm always interested about the people that are too afraid to just put themselves out there. I don't want to say that. Let me let me back up because I don't want to make Sean sound bad or anything because you already said that. I don't that think Sean was it. afraid. I think he's just way too curious. Well, I'm just wondering how many people, though, were worried that their analysis would be quote-unquote wrong. Like oh, yeah. Walt and I took the perspective of we try to talk about as many possible variants or options, and then we actually even said – We'll be interested to see if we got more right or more wrong or, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. in the middle. <laughs> and, and that I, clip ended up in 72. And I love that. I loved the exercise and I would do it again in a heartbeat because the minute analysis, but to take every other movie, because be, every movie you've ever seen suddenly becomes this giant filter to help you make sense of what you're watching. Yeah. Which is how I think. I was amazed at the number of people who were able to do what Walt and I did. I mean, so many of the podcasters, just by analyzing body language and tone and knowing what they know about movies and heroes and the the damsel and all the different stock kind of characters, could start piecing together a story. And even if they came up with something fantastical that wasn't quite right, it was still great to hear. And I loved being a listener of a podcast where I had no idea where our story fit in the grand scheme of the overall movie. Yeah, I think I'm one of those who would not – I would love to participate in a show like this, but I don't think I could. I think I'd be one who would have either already seen the movie because I see as much as possible or would immediately seek not only the movie but its script. Like I do a guest spot on Flash Gordon, for example, 
I had a copy of the comic book, a copy of the novel, and a cop or PDFs of the comic, the novel, and the script in front of me when I'm doing my notes because it's just a guest spot. I like obsessive. I want to know how did this thing become this thing. So it would be hard for me to be like you and avoid watching it. Well, maybe I'm just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> or you just you. You're sleep deprived from working early on the radio, so you just don't have time for all those movies. You know what, what I, what I have noticed as we, as we rewind this down is I love this whole idea of talking about a movie. And sometimes when you just allow yourself to be open to those first thoughts that pop into your head and not ignore them or not try to overanalyze them, it's amazing the, the links you can suddenly find. I remember even doing Young Frankenstein. We had our notes. We had the script. We'd be discussing that very minute, having watched it maybe 10, 15 times minimum to get ready for the recording. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, someone would say something that would trigger something that I'd look and go, oh, my God, look at this. Yeah. And just that dynamic discovery that I think can only happen when you just pay attention and watch and you can't have it scripted sometimes. I think you have to just be open to what pops in your head. I, ha- I have an example of that um, before we finish up. In Michael Myers' minute, I think it was my first guest. It was like minute 14. And there's it's always been a goof that there's palm trees because it was filmed in California, right? Mm-hmm. He points out there's a palm tree in the foreground in the front yard of the Myers house. In 40 years, I had never seen it. <laughs> it takes up the entire screen at one point. You're up next to the trunk of it. I lived next to, like, with palm trees in my front yard. I know what they look like. Had never seen it. And, like, that doesn't affect the plot or anything. But then the rest of the movie, I'm like, what else have I never seen? What haven't I noticed watching this movie? Isn't the interesting how much better... We could understand movies if we watched them a little bit more actively than we do. Yeah. Which, yeah, when I started writing my blog and focusing on one movie like that, every movie I watched since this is, what, six years ago now? Since then has been, I'm actively like, how would I talk about this if I'm writing about it? Now it's, how would I talk about this if I'm podcasting about it? But I'm still, it doesn't take away from the joy, which is the great thing. I, there's this fear that like doing that might make it less fun, but it makes it more fun for me. I agree. I, dr- I think I drive my wife nuts when I notice these things and I point these things out to her, but <laughs> I can't help it. I'll be like, oh, did you see that? And, but it doesn't match this. And what about that? And, and, uh, I think that's what makes this movies by minutes community such a fun one to be a part of because I think we all have maybe that little bit of that mild anxiety disorder. <laughs> yeah. And we're all in this same place doing the same thing, which is great. Yep. Robert, it's been a pleasure to interview you about this, and I hope you got as much out of it as I did because I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, it was good. So to wrap up, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about how to find you and your projects you're working on? Uh, Generally, you can find me at, well, Robert E.G. Black on social media if you want to follow my personal stuff, but that gets political and weird sometimes. You can follow my website, lemmingdrops.com, which has links to... Dave made a minute, links to Michael Myers minute. It already has images, but no links yet for the room minute and greetings from waterfalls, which I'm doing next. And I have ideas for what I'm doing after that, but 
I'll figure that out as I go because those are going to take a while. You can only do so much at once. I know. It's sad. (laughs) It's why I don't sleep. It's like I watch a movie in the theater now and I'm like, I want to start a podcast on this today, but I can't. (laughs) Well, Walt and I have decided – Though our main mission is movies of Gene Wilder one minute yeah, at a time. Which is a great show. We're going to try to figure out how to do as much bonus content because we've loved breaking down other movies in chunks. Not necessarily the minutia of a minute at a time, but there's just something fun about talking about a movie. Yeah. So, well, by the way, I'll, I'll do a quick plug here and you can choose to keep it or not. But if folks want to learn a little bit more about The Wilder Ride, where we do analyze the films of Gene Wilder one minute at a time, we wrapped up season one, middle of or mid to late 2018. It was Young Frankenstein and we are already recording Blazing Saddles for season two. In between, we did an analysis of Poltergeist and we did a Christmas vacation. So it's all available at thewilderride.com or facebook.com slash thewilderride. Twitter is thewilderride. And every podcatcher out there, it's the same name, easy to find, the Wilder Ride. And then I could probably disarm all the traps and then we could, we could finish this maze. Who is with me? That was Alan Sanders of the Wilder Ride and, well, me. Robert Black of Dave Made a Minute. Taking a minute 80 of Dave Made a Maze. Now, Alan has escaped the maze. Next time on Dave Made a Minute, we've got me, Robert Black, taking a minute 81 and the entirety of Dave Made a Minute. Thank you for listening to Dave Made a Minute. Intro dialogue snippets were taken from Dave Made a Maze, directed by Bill Watterson, written by Bill Watterson and Steve Sears, and produced by John Charles Meyer. Intro music is Diversion by The Equals, featured in the film Dave Made a Maze, and Life Cycle of a Match by Parvis Decree. Outro music is Leaving This Godforsaken Place, and Her Presence is Strong Here by Parvis Decree. Dave Made a Minute is a production of Lemming Drop Studio, and all other featured podcast producers. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Dave Made a Minute. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. And check out all of the participants' other shows to spread the love around. Again, thank you for listening. As long as we're all working together, this is going to be fine. It's going to be great. I need you to notify the families of everyone who died here today. Totally. Wait, what? <laughs>